Welcome, everybody, to the Flock Pod, brought to you by the LYL Project. And now, your hosts, Shane Potter and Justin Pluid. Welcome, everybody, to the Flock Pod. Hashtag 047. We are back here in the condo, and you can find us on all those major social media platforms at the Flock Pod. I myself can be found at, at Coach Justin D. Shane, tell them where you are. I am at Shane Potter 6 on the Twitter and at Waka Flocka Shane 6 on the Instagrams. That he is, ladies and gentlemen. Feels good to be back, bud. Feels so good to be back. We shouldn't have left you guys for so long, but, you know, a lot of things happening in the world, had some things happening in the personal life, so just felt there was a good chance to take a step back and reevaluate some things. Like like a lot of things that are happening in the world, I think right now is a good opportunity to, like, you know, take advantage of the situation, give ourselves a break. We were working pretty hard to try and cultivate content here yep. during the uh the off time and we with this year at some straws yeah this year being a pretty extended off season for sports it was yes. you know we decided let's let's take a little less time yeah i like it i like it and now we're back in the lab we've got some things definitely to talk about the hot and button issue that we're going to get to at the end of the podcast is of course university of oregon and oregon state deciding that they will no longer be calling any of their athletic events or marketing any of their athletic events as the Civil War. We will talk about that here at the end of the podcast, so make sure to stick around for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And first off, let's just jump into some walk around the flock. It's been a while. There's definitely been some news out there. And I think the biggest news, at least in the world of football, over the last week or so has been the commitment of Troy Franklin, wide receiver for the 2021 class. Yeah, I think this was big for a lot of reasons. Uh, If you are an Oregon Duck fan, which I assume you are listening to this podcast, you know that uh, wide receiver... if you're not, you know, come along. Join join the Duck side. Now's a good time to to join. But uh, wide receiver's been an interesting position for the Ducks over uh, the course of forever. Cameron Colvin. Yeah, I mean, well, I was uh, I was surprised looking up who the highest rated wide receiver was, and it was Cameron Colvin. I uh, I recently started playing NCAA football 2010 on my yeah, PlayStation he did. 2. Proud of you, buddy. He's a 94 overall yeah, in that game as a sophomore. His athleticism and his hands were incredible, which just makes that one play against Cal all the more. Mm. It was such an anomaly. It was so anomalous. Well, and every Ooh. anomalous, yeah. uh, every Oregon wide receiver has kind of been disappointing in one way or another where whether it was at the university of oregon or in the professional level because the one the receivers that we have seen you know really make a great career you know playing with the guys like marcus mariota and joey harrington and all sorts of quarterbacks as we've gone down the line have kind of flopped at the next level i was shocked when you asked me that question who it was i thought for sure it'd be keenan howry and I guess maybe he just wasn't quite the statistical darling that Cameron Colvin was, but he is the he's like the on the mountain, you know. If, if I think of Oregon wide receivers, he's basically the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah, um, I was kind of thinking. I mean, Sammy Parker. Yeah, that's um, a good one too. 
There was another one. Uh, Jason Williams. Jason Williams. He was a big deal when one. he came in. Terrible um, hands. Hands like pancakes. Yeah, and I think that was it became a mental thing. Oh, it, yeah. Once it became a thing. Free throws. And remember, he thing. wrote uh, F it on the gloves and the register guard ran it. I actually had that frame growing up. I don't know where, oh, that'd be nice where to have it went at this condo. point. But uh, it's. I think that this this signing of Troy Franklin has really shown that like the the turning of the guard with uh, the crystal ball recruiting process. Mm-hmm. Um, we've really focused in a lot on what he's done in like the offensive line and being something that was uh, a new kind of trend here at the U of O. But now, I mean, we have a, a pretty loaded wide receiver room at this point. Well, and not to mention everything. I mean, a lot of the big name recruits he's actually brought in over the last two years, especially has been on the defensive side of the mm-hmm. ball. So to make this kind of a splash on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, kind of stealing a guy from Alabama, which a lot of people thought that's where he was actually going to go. That's a big get. Yeah, now, I mean, repairing him. So the, we do have the two seniors returning in Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson, who each had over 50 catches, around 1,000 yards. We're the biggest contributors yes. on offense last year. Also returning, uh, Brian Addison, who had a really good freshman year with 18 catches. He'll be a sophomore this year. Josh Delgado, you know, battled some injuries, um, as well as uh, Micah Pittman. They were both under 20 catches, but contributed as true freshmen. So, I mean, now you got those, their sophomores. They were both four stars. Uh, bringing in J.R. Waters, who's a three-star um, redshirt freshman, who was he was injured last year, but was most likely going to yep. be redshirted anyways. Yep. Uh, Daywood Davis is coming back as a junior. He'll probably be used majority of the time on special teams. Yes, I could see him being like a a special special teamer. Yeah. Also, the redshirt Lance Will Wilhoy, who was a four-star uh, receiver as, or four-star recruit as well, and then Isaiah Crocker, who. Didn't play last year, but he's going to be a sophomore who's also a four-star recruit. So, I mean, it's there, there's a ton of potential in this yeah. room, and they're adding some more talent. And like we've talked about before, the, I think the competition for playing time is mm-hmm. going to be at a really high level. I mean, the top two spots are pretty much locked in. Well, but. and we'll see what happens with some of these guys over the next year. Who, who breaks out? Who decides to maybe try to make a run at the NFL early and then maybe thins out a little bit that wide receiver room before these guys get there in 21? That'll be kind of curious to see. And just what the offense looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not sure what the offense is really going to be now with a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, things left, a lot of things up in you the air. You might want to say, I mean, more receivers out on the field just in general. Yes. I mean, we've seen a lot mm-hmm. of like two, three, four looks, but we might even see more five. And I think the guys like Pittman and Delgado will complement a player like Troy Franklin a lot mm-hmm. more. Where, I mean, we were just watching some tape on him. He's just like, He's got big play written all over yep, him. Yep, absolutely. And absolutely. then J.R. Waters, I was uh, doing a little bit of research on. He is like uh, one of those just like basketball player, a wide water receiver, bug, hybrid. Yep. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of like Kevin Durant, of like just the smoothness of motion oh, and like okay. the ease of like doing things, like extreme body control. So that paired with some of these guys, where Jalen Red, I mean, let's be real, is a possession receiver. He's a He's a pit bull. Yeah, he's going to be the guy going over the middle and making some of those tougher plays. Absolutely. So now we've touched on a little bit of football recruiting. Let's go ahead and jump on over here to some men's basketball recruiting. Uh, Dana Altman continues to just be the wizard of the Willamette Valley and finds these guys out of nowhere. And I mean, not out of nowhere necessarily, but LJ Figueroa, um, a wing coming over from St. John's. Um, a big get, big get for the men's basketball mm-hmm. program. Yeah, he was granted the transfer, the waiver to play immediately, I believe, because of the coach being let go, wasn't it? Like Chris Mullen or somebody? 
Oh, he may have been a part of that wing. Yeah, I know it's been, there's been a little bit of turmoil there for mm-hmm. sure. And I don't know exactly what the big issue is there, but it seems like it's, uh, it's touchy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would agree with um, that. But yes. yeah, I mean, it's just, it's another year where we're kind of looking at the roster being like, all right, I think we know what it is. And then Dana Altman's just like, nope, whoop, whoop, whoop. And you're just adding these pieces. We were just watching a little bit of his tape as well, and he seems like a player that would complement pretty much any team. Yes. He has kind of a skill set that's a, a very plug-and-play style, especially with the way that college basketball is being played right now. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we were talking about like some of the comparisons, some of the players that he reminds us of here uh, in the condo before we got started, and just what kind of a, a role. Because that's what I love about Dana is he finds these little puzzle pieces and then he takes his system and tweaks it just slightly, makes some adjustments to kind of let, get those puzzle pieces to fit in exactly where they can. And I think this guy, because of his unique skill set, will be a lot of fun for Dana to kind of figure out where he really fits in the best. Yeah, it looks like he's got a nice um, nice catch and shoot three-pointer. Uh, we saw a little bit of shooting off the dribble, but... For a guy of his size, especially in college, you just don't see a lot of it. When you do, it's, you know, they're usually lottery draft picks. Yes. Um, and we didn't see one thing that we were both kind of wondering. We didn't see a lot of defensive highlights in the little bit that we had watched. But that might be a reason why he chose a school like Oregon, why he wants to play in a Dana Altman system, because he has uh, he has a body for it. He's got long arms. It looks like he has relatively quick feet. Yep. I'd say he could probably guard three positions. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be really good in that amoeba defense and really good in that press because mm-hmm. of his length, because of some of his timing and some of that um, uh, that instinct that you saw to make those plays. I think that'll really help him in that system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I, I mean, I compared him to like kind of a Michael Beasley, Jason Maxiel type. And okay. for those yeah. basketball nerds out there who know what I'm talking about, you know, he's got a solid frame, but also has really long arms. So kind of the best of both worlds that you get in, you know, body types. Really, <laughs> luck of the draw worked out for him good there. He won the genetic lottery. Uh-huh. And speaking of the genetic lottery, Shane. Oh, nice um, segue. A little bit of a fun, yeah, it's like you never left. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a fun story here. Uh, three little baby Osprey were actually born on top of the Night Law building. And they, I guess they ran a poll. That they did was like a Twitter poll. Uh, they like floated it out there. I, I like, I read the story after it was done. So okay. they were just basically saying that they, yeah, we're like kind of leaving it up to discussion to what to name them. I don't know if there was like an official poll taken, but there was definitely some names thrown out there. And there being three Osprey, I think they decided on a good name. I think they did very well here, naming them Sabrina, Ruthie, and Satu. So I don't know if I have to refer to her as now the mother of Osprey. <laughs> it's not quite as, it doesn't quite ring quite the same. And Moo, I don't really like as much as Maud. I feel like the mother mm. of Ducklings still fits. We're still going to run with that. Yeah, but I we do, don't want to confuse people here. No, yet. no, we definitely don't want that. But I would love a Photoshop of just like three little baby Osprey and then like the heads of Sabrina, Satu, and Ruthie. So if anybody has any Photoshop skills out there, that'd be really adorable to see. Maybe so we'll, let's make that happen. We'll put the feelers out on social yeah, media to see if somebody can happen. do that. We might, uh, old uh, Patrick Johnson, who did the Flock Ooh, logo, he might be able to do something like Patty that. Patty J, we need you. <laughs> we have the Flock logo. We're projecting it. Find us. <laughs> yeah, We're like in a the bat duck signal. <laughs> We're in the duck cave. Find us. All right. So speaking of Sabrina, Ruthie, and Satu, um, let's jump right into just some more general kind of sports topics here. Um, the WNBA looks to be one of the 
not the first, but one of the first uh, leagues really to get their restart happening here at IMG Academy down in Florida. Uh, did you find the actual legit start date? I did not find the yet? actual start date. So we're looking at, let me see if I can just Google that real quick, Shane, if you just want to. I mean, it's interesting. It's good to see sports coming back. There's obviously a lot of conflicting emotions in regards to just kind of what's going on. But here we are. Yeah, I mean, it is it is the point where they are moving forward. They're proceeding with these seasons. So it'll be it'll be really interesting, especially, to see how, like, the WNBA and the MLS seasons are able to go and, uh, like, how living in a bubble, essentially, will work out for these people because that might be a precursor for what we see for sports in the fall. Um, it is at IMG Academy over in Florida, you know, the giant prep school. Um, we were kind of discussing this earlier. It's it's going to be a 22-game season, so a little bit condensed. And yeah. then, like the NBA is going to be doing, it's going to be games a little bit more rapidly because you're eliminating the travel schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have thoughts on how the WNBA travel schedule should be going from here on out, and I think this might be a precursor that leads to that. That'd be interesting. Yeah. That'd be interesting I to mean, see. So I find here in a WNBA press release, they just say beginning in July. Right. That's basically um, they, as much as I found. Yeah, they're just going to use that for the, the home for the 12 teams in the league. Um, And we kind of touched on an interesting aspect of this, um, more duck-focused here with those three ladies that we previously mentioned. This is kind of a nice transition for them coming out of the college environment where this is going to be similar to that. I mean, you're basically going to be living in dorms. You're going to be kind of sequestered, living with your team, playing ping pong, playing cards, but no doubles ping pong, Shane. Or maybe that's only (laughs) in the NBA. Um, But it's going to be fascinating just to see what kind of a culture that can breed for some of these teams. I mean, we're, we're obviously looking past some of these safety elements and just kind of looking at this from a pure sports environment through a pure sports lens. But I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful that this allows the WNBA to get a little bit of a kickstart for popularity. Yeah, uh, we have seen some of the stars and more notable names in the WNBA decide not to play this season. We've already seen a few players from the Atlanta Dream, including um, the point guard from Oregon State and... Uh, well, a few players, including Maite Cazorla, is yes. also going to stay in uh, She's Spain. She's also going to stay in Spain. And mm-hmm. we've seen that with a lot of um, some of the foreign players, even in the NBA, that you know, if they live in you know a foreign country and they see what's going on in the news here, they're not like, hey, let me rush back to that. So <laughs> I don't blame them. Yeah, I was there. about to say, can you blame them? Yeah, it's one of those things. It's one of those things um, for sure. And, you know, just... There's a lot of people who aren't really willing to be away from their family for three months. It, you know, it's depending on what, what point in you know your life, what you really have going on in your personal life, it is. It's really tough. Mm-hmm. One, I like what the WNBA is doing here also in this press release. They're talking about how they're going to be there for them from a mental health perspective. They're trying to think of ways to create entertainment. They're also going to be looking at ways to keep their equal justice initiative moving forward. Um, a lot of things with you know their sales from the bigger than ball women's empowerment thing coming to certain um, nonprofits, which is great. Um, they're talking about how they stand behind you know Black Lives Matter and the LBGDQ community, which is powerful for these sports leagues to come out and do this on such a prevalent um, foundation. You know that they have to talk from their platform is huge. And I hope that these leagues can use this correctly. I mean, we're already seeing it happen in some leagues that have restarted with, you know, women's professional soccer. Mm -hmm. Every single player took a knee. 
And then you're seeing kind of the negative effects and some of the, the ways that these things can be construed negative. Well, I'm going to say negatively because of the way that this whole situation worked out. But there in the, in in Florida, um, the national against the the pro women softball league, they restarted, and um, the manager for the Scrapyard Fast Pitch Club actually took a picture of all of his teams standing for the anthem and put up some tweet saying, you know, this is how you stand for the anthem proudly, tagged President Trump, you know, tagged MAGA, and the entire team got into the locker room, had no idea what had happened, their phones were blowing up, all kinds of text messages, and the entire team quit. The entire team walked away from the franchise and said we will no longer be a part of this. And so I hope that the WABA can learn, and the, and the NBA, because we're gonna to touch on that also, can learn from some of these things that are happening ahead of them and use their platforms to get ahead of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that that instance definitely uh, w- t- was taken note by every I would hope so. entity. Yeah. Um, because something like that would happening in the NBA, WNBA, NFL, something like that would be you know, catastrophic for the league. Or, I don't yes. know if catastrophic is the right word. It would be big, monumental. And allow me to be clear. I don't have a problem with that manager putting their thoughts and feelings out there. I have a problem with that manager taking a picture of his team without their knowledge and using their likeness and image to fit their message. Right. That's what right. I have a problem with. If you want to take a picture of yourself standing and post that and use that, I mean that's that's a hundred percent your prerogative yeah. as an American as a part of this republic. You can't use other people though without their knowledge and without their consent. So I just wanted to be a hundred percent clear mm. that, that that was that my position on that. So again, hopefully that these leagues can learn from that and and give these athletes, coaches, GMs an opportunity to get their message out, whatever message they might have. Exactly. And yeah, and so sports coming back here pretty soon. I mean, we're gonna see a lot of it. And uh, I mean, I hope that everything is just you know. Things seem to be going on with a little bit less controversy right now, and I kind of want to see a little bit more of that happening, and I'm pretty sure we will. I think, again, with the opportunity and using sports, again, it's a a distraction. That's what it is. The Romans, you know, we need our circus. We need our bread. It is what Mm -hmm. it is. But using those platforms to get whatever, again, whatever message that you feel is appropriate for your genuine expression out there, that's what's important. Right. Because, I mean, even if something is a distraction, it doesn't mean you should ignore the other thing. It's it's okay to not think about it for a little bit. But uh, it's still, you know, these are real issues and they're issues that are a lot bigger than sports. Absolutely. And then so leading that into another segue, we've obviously got the NBA restarting on July 30th. Major League Baseball finally got their act together and they're (laughs) going to play a a tiny little 60 game softball season. Um, I'm I'm glad to see these leagues coming back. Um, We're not going to talk about, you know, their chances to succeed, their chances to finish on this podcast. There's millions of other sports podcasts that are covering that angle. We're simply excited to see these these sports come back and hopefully see some of these, you know, pro ducks out there succeeding in their environment. Yeah, I mean, back to like kind of our, you know, original point with the, the three women in the WNBA now and kind of that transition and also the league being a little bit saturated with talent and this, that and the other there. Uh, I think it's going to be huge for the likes of all three of them. Actually, it's I a think huge it's, opportunity. I think it's going to be such an easier transition for Sabrina Ionescu going from Walnut Creek to Eugene to New York City down to now she can kind of like, you know, figure out how to maneuver within the basketball world yes. without the giant city yes, aspect. Absolutely. And like 
in New York City being afraid to leave your house and yeah. all of that jazz. Which so. is something we really talked about ahead of time, which was going to be difficult. Not to mention all the, the media expectations, her own brand that she's trying to build, simply finding somewhere for her and Eddie to live, because I can only imagine Eddie's going with her. <laughs> I have a feeling. You know, <laughs> I, I think that this is a great opportunity for her to simply focus on basketball. There's obviously still going to be some media expectations and whatnot, and she's still going to be building her brand behind the scenes. But this is going to enable it to be a smoother process for her, Ruthie, and Satu. Yeah, because it's Dallas, Chicago, New York City are the cities that they're moving yeah. to. I mean, those are those are enormous places. Yes. Uh, I don't want to drive in any of those cities. No, a little bigger than Eugene. <laughs> Just a little bit bigger. So we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get back to the, the topic that I think everybody wants to hear us to discuss. Well, if you're listening to this, I hope you want to hear us discuss it. <laughs> the, the now renamed Civil War matchups. We lost a few games. Tough. That was District 5. Now we're the Ducks. Yeah. And the Ducks yeah. are undefeated. Right. Yeah. Quack. 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 Welcome back, everybody. We're actually going to call a quick audible here for the second half of the podcast. Shin and I got to talking during the break and came up with a better idea. So we're going to do a much deeper dive on all of Ruthie and Sabrina's career here at the University of Oregon and really try to highlight some some fun um, moments and things of that nature that they were able to share here, share here as Ducks and all that they were able to accomplish. Yeah, I think in this probably be next week's podcast. Yeah. This, uh, it'll be better better for everybody. Here. Yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. We want to give you guys a real deep dive on that. So we're actually just going to wrap today's podcast up with a little bit of talk about this interesting story that came out from CBS. Um, They were out there predicting some of the major upsets that might happen in the upcoming college football season. And uh, this one, uh, this one woke Twitter up to say the least, huh, Shane? Yeah, yeah. I think some eyebrows were raised. Uh, I know I got like that quick, like my body posture improved for a quick second there in North Dakota State beating Oregon here at home at Autzen Stadium this season. So it'd be, uh, again, you know, looking forward to the season, we're looking at it probably with no fans. So that, uh, you know, the Autzen crazies, the Autzen zoo won't be as big of a factor. We talked about this before with the Ohio State game. Um, but this is, I mean, NDSU is an interesting program. Um, multiple national championships. They've won their last six games against FBS opponents. I mean, this this wouldn't be considered a fluke per se on their behalf, and I think that's why part of the reason, or it's part of the reason why their Twitter fan base is a little. Um, they have some of that irrational confidence thing going. A little bit of that irrational confidence. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I feel like Duck Twitter got a little defensive. <gasps> no. <laughs> That is Shane. That is shocking. And what was more shocking was uh, some some people out there in the Twitter sphere uh, that have you know similar you know uh, media outlets to us mm-hmm. um, got you know I'd say we're the most offended. <laughs> um, and this sparked a little bit of uh, some controversy and some. Do they call that sub podcasting? So you're not you're not like sub tweeting someone. But you're like you're sub podcasting <laughs> someone. I like what you did there. No, but you're. I mean, 
saying somebody got you know defensive or overreacted about something on Twitter is not exactly news. However, in this specific situation, when this is obviously something that CBS is putting out to try to get some reaction, to try to get a little clickbait going, and um, both fan bases fed into it beautifully. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it worked out perfect for what they're trying to accomplish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, like this is, I mean, in in this point in the season, the early, you know, pre-conference schedule, you normally try and get a couple of what they call cupcake games in. Mm-hmm. And then, Paycheck games. Yeah, and then you normally throw in, you know, a big-time uh, non-conference opponent. So this year's a little bit different because we already have Ohio State on, on the docket as, you know, your big-time opponent. But I think in any other year, I think this NDSU game would be that marquee game, Mm -hmm. making it a little bit strange that it's the precursor to that Ohio State game. Well, and that's part of the reason why they bring up the fact that this is this is a game ripe for upset with all the different factors that they talk about. You brought one of them up being the fact that Autzen's probably going to be empty. You know, they're probably not going to have that that big home field advantage. Oregon's going to be breaking in a new quarterback. Which quarterback that is, we're not sure. Is it going to be Anthony Brown? Is it going to be Shook? Is it going to be Ty Thompson? We don't know. We really don't know. And I don't think it's going to be Ty Thompson. Get out of here, okay? I'm just being fun. But that, yeah. that would be amazing to watch. But It'd be um, cool. I, I would see him being Richard. Exactly. Game. And that's what we talked about. That quarterback room is very full. But also looking forward to that Ohio State game with the, with the Buckeyes coming in the very next week. Or having to prospectively travel now to the, to the big shoe like we've talked about on last week's podcast in regards to if that game is going to get moved. Also, North Dakota State plays with a massive chip on their shoulder. They live for these kinds of games. This is their Super Bowl, if you will. This is their national championship playoff game, if you will, for them. You know, having an opportunity to come play on this kind of big stage. I don't disagree with the logic that CBS is putting out. And I would be honest, if this was a Willie Taggart coach team, if this was a Mark Helfrich coach team. <laughs> if this was even a Chip Kelly coach yeah. team, because yeah. he's shown he's shown in his Oregon tenure that he struggled with some of these early season games, I would be a lot more worried. I'm not really worried, but with Cristobal at the helm. Yeah, I mean, like as you just said, with a, a Chip Kelly coach team, you know, you need certain things to happen to get victories. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain things have to happen early, and like we've kind of references. If you want to go back and listen, like the the Auburn national championship game, like. The you know kind of the chess match that Chip Kelly tries to play is very deliberate. Uh, Coach Cristobal here is going to like kind of match force with force. Yeah, absolutely. And with this roster and this team, I mean, I, I could see this being a knockdown drag out. Um, a lot of uh, get clock being used. I mean, I could see this being a low scoring affair. Seventeen fourteen, seventeen twelve. In one of those games, it only yeah. lasts like an hour and fifty mm-hmm. minutes too. Well, I mean, that's what a lot of... If you don't know a lot about North Dakota State football, I mean, I would, I would tell you to go research it. It's actually a really fun program and all the accomplishments that they've been able to do in this, you know, area that you would never expect it, you know, and they'd really be able to come out and overachieve. But they actually have a similar mentality to what Cristobal has tried to instill here at the University of Oregon. And they do so because they bring in a lot of kids that are great kids, hard workers, but not the most talented in the world. And they use that chip on the shoulder kind of culture to build them into, you know, it's like that scene in Little Giants when they start foaming at the mouth, you know, intimidation. You know, that's kind of how they play all the time. Yeah, and I mean they're a team. They're kind of like the like the Alabama of D two football. Oh right now. yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that they really like everything. Kind of came to fruition. I would say the highlight of NDSU football, you know, throughout their entirety is probably Carson Wentz being mm-hmm. drafted number two overall, right mm-hmm. after Jared Goff should have went number one. 
But uh, <laughs> I'd still rather have Carson Wentz. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the games like this, this is, you know, them building their way up to being like, hey, we can play with any of these teams. So yeah. it'll be really interesting to see. I think it's kind of, uh, I think where, like, CBS makes a pick like this is more kind of based on, like, what I like to do in my gambling world is like value bets. Yeah. This is kind of a value pick, you know, where mm-hmm. you probably have like NDSU would be like money line is probably somewhere around four to one, probably yeah. a little bit under. I'd I think you're three fair. And a half to one, something Depending like that. upon who Oregon has a quarterback, I think that's very fair. Yeah. And so I think that that's a pick where they're looking at it like, oh, okay, like for every other game that has a similar like money line payout, like this is the one that they think has the best chance of happening. And like, yeah, I, I think that's. I mean, it's how I do like my MVP bets. Like, yes, I, I did mm-hmm. Philip Rivers seventy to one. Do I think he's going to win? No, but do I think he has the best chance out of everybody else who's seventy to one? Yes. So, I mean, I think that's the way it's kind of being looked at, and I think that's absolutely fair. I think this is also CBS web editors sitting there thinking, what two fan bases would get really <laughs> fired up if we put out some clickbaity material? And honestly, it's smart. It is. It's intelligent to get out there and try and engage these fan bases that are. We're a little dormant right now. There's not a lot of news out there. So this is this is a, a big juicy steak, a nice ribeye steak being thrown to the wolves for us to feast over. And we're playing into it a little bit here on the podcast today, but it's also a fun topic to talk about. And it leads me to a question that I don't think I've asked you yet, Shane, and I love, love broadsiding you with this kind of stuff. Here's where my heart sinks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll ask the question and then I'll give my answer to give you kind of an opportunity to kind of think about it. But if it came down to who Oregon started at quarterback tomorrow for a game. Well, let's say in the fall. Let's okay. say in the fall. Who who you would like to see Oregon put behind the helm? And I this is gonna this is a surprising answer to me that I kind of thought about this last week. I would like to see them give Anthony Brown the opportunity to go out there and be the starter for this team just because of the veteran presence that he's gonna bring out there to a club that already has a lot of veterans on it. And he's proven that he can do the little things and make this offense have a very, very solid floor. Does he give the ceiling that a Tyler Shook might to this offense with his arm and things of that nature? Maybe not. I actually need to go in and do some more research on Anthony Brown's, you know, long game on some of those deep throws and things like that. But I know he's very accurate over the short passing game. And I think that's something that Oregon wants to get going more this next season. So that's where I lean more is I would like to see Anthony Brown at least be given the first opportunity to be the starter for this team because I think he's going to bring in a little bit more veteran presence and a little bit more experience to a team that really has some big goals. So where do, where do you fall on that question? Uh, I'd say fairly similar to you. I just don't know quite enough about Anthony Brown exactly. and how yep. he fits with this team. We know how Tyler Shook fits with the team. We know that him and Spencer Webb are very tight. They like It's already one of his favorite targets. Um, so I mean, Which, already, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I don't it's, know. <laughs> it's, it's interesting on, on multiple levels. Um, but I couldn't resist. <laughs> but it is, uh, I mean, sometimes, I mean, we saw it kind of like with all right, with Herbert and Dylan Mitchell two years ago, where he had his guy. Binky. And, his yeah, binky. And it, it benefited him almost as much as it hurt him kind of throughout the year. Because... It was kind of, you kind of knew where he wanted to go with the ball before he was going to throw it, but at the same time, he had a guy that he could rely on. 
I'm going to cut you off and say it's exactly what he did with Breland last year, too. And you saw when Breland got hurt, how when he tried to find a new binky, that it was difficult. So I see what you're saying there, and I 100% agree. So, I mean, I my immediate answer is Tyler Shook. I think he's super talented. I liked what he did with the, you know, coming in late in games and kind of like the, the closer role that he got in some of those games. I like what I saw. I like his athleticism. I think he might be a little bit more mobile than Anthony Brown yep. from what I've seen. And that's where I say that that ceiling gets raised a little bit, I think, with Shook in there. But where does the floor go? But then also, so this would be Tyler Shook's redshirt sophomore year. So he still has some time. Um, so, I mean, it's not really as dire. Anthony Brown doesn't play. That's kind of, you know, all she wrote for him. And then there's also, I mean, I am not... Uh, I don't think that Kale Millen deserves to be forgotten about. Was redshirted last year. Son of an NFL quarterback. Uh, (laughs) Justin just did something really funny. Uh, (laughs) You create a new flavor there? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. so I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see. I'd like, you know, it's really interesting. I saw there was an article posted. uh, I don't remember who did it, but it said, "Does Oregon have too many quarterbacks?" Is their quarterback yes. too, too deep <laughs> at this point? Is, is that going to be something that hurts the team in the long run? What do you think about that? I would I would say yes. But, I mean, this is something that we touched on after the Ty Thompson commitment, that this is a very full quarterback room. And I'm glad that you touched on the fact that Shook is that redshirt sophomore because you kind of hit on my sneaky reason why I want Anthony Brown to be the starter because I think that Ty Thompson could be the starter next year. And I think that's part of the reason why they decided to bring in Anthony Brown is almost a little bit of a stopgap option to give Thompson that year to redshirt. And then he could come in and be similar to what Herbert did, a four-year possible starter with having that redshirt year under his belt. And I know that kind of sucks for, I mean, Tyler Shooks then kind of getting that Darian Felix treatment where he's not given the opportunity. But he's going to have, Cristobal has shown that whether he has a plan in place or not, He's going to put the guy out on the field at whatever position that gives the team the best chance to succeed. So I think Very that true. I believe that he's that shook that Tom that all of these kids Mullins they're all going to be given the opportunity to go out there and compete, and that's what I think you're going to see the cream rise to the crop. Now in my perfect world, Anthony Brown wins that starting job, keeps the spot warm for Ty Thompson to come in in 2021. Who's your like? What's your depth chart for next year look like? One through four. Brooke shook. Mullins and Thompson redshirting because I like Shook I like I like Shook on that surfer you know laid back he's got a little bit of golf in him in a way where he kind of looks like him he thought that's kind of why I went there yeah (laughs) he kind of has a little bit of in that laid back mentality that I think could pair very well with Cristobal's fiery you know do your job kind of mentality Again, he's going to have every opportunity to go out there and win the job. I'm excited to watch, you know, whatever comes out this fall and kind of how things begin to move forward. I'm just saying, again, you everyone knows I'm a massive Ty Thompson fan. And so to give him that job as a redshirt freshman and come in and like, all right, buddy, the world is your oyster. What can you do with all this talent that we're bringing in? That's exciting. It would be really interesting if Tyler Shook was like a four-year number two guy. We've under, seen that before. Under like three quarterbacks. I mean – who was there was like wasn't it like Zach Mettenberg or something that like only played like four games mm-hmm. in college or something mm-hmm. and still got drafted. I Joe Burrow. Was, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Joe Burrow was very Had to transfer to go get his job. Twice. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um so I mean I could see kind of Tyler Shook in one of those situations. I I love the idea of having him as a backup. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, to have that as your security blanket. And he brings something very different than what Anthony Brown does. So you, I don't like the two-quarterback system that we've seen in games past that we did the requackables on, but it does it has worked. It does. I mean, you, I could kind of see Shook being like the the Jason Fife, wasn't that? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Jason yep. Fife. The Fife to Clemens. Yeah, uh-huh. um, yeah. I, shoot, man, that's tough. I don't know. I mean, I think t- Showtime Shook has kind of like done everything he was supposed to do. We kind of saw his body develop over last year. You know, you could see him working out with Herbert, like mm-hmm. paid dividends for. Absolutely. What he looks like. I mean, he looks like he basically played tight end at this point. Yeah, he's he's, he definitely kid. hit the weight room and the training table hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I guess final answer, I'd say Tyler Shook. Okay, so I like that. I like that we disagree. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys about this also. Who do you want to see starting in that North Dakota State game for the University of Oregon Ducks next year? I think it's a maybe, I mean, this is, again, clickbaity subject, but it's, it's maybe the most fun conversation that you can have right now as an Oregon Duck football fan is who do you want to see leading this team? Yeah, and I mean, it's it's pretty wide open. And I know that, like, Cristobal and then, like, the very brief amount of time that we've been able to hear from Joe Moorhead, uh, they are both very, very, very pro-competition. Exactly, and exactly. It's, it's what they really want. They've even talked about, like, with, like, the defensive back unit that we've kind of, you know, scratched the surface on a little bit, they've talked about, like, they move guys around just to see, like, because they know that if you take, you know, Michael Wright and put him in at strong safety, uh, you know, Javion Holland is going to be like, no way this guy's going to outplay me. Mm-hmm. And, like, they kind of see this mentality change, and then it creates that open competition. Open competition's fun. And you have a guy like Kale Millen who, you know, in most schools, you know, when they announce the starter early, blah, 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 you kind of go through the motions – he kind of has the opportunity right now. Like I can go in, kill it, and maybe I'll play. And we've seen Cristobal be like, "Yeah, it doesn't matter what your star, exactly, what, whatever the exactly. thing is. Like if you perform, you play." Mm-hmm. So it'll be really interesting. I can also see maybe multiple quarterbacks getting starts throughout the year. I mean, oh. you, something that you never want to see happen, but something that does happen is injury. So yeah. I mean, you'd like to see guys have multiple oh. or like the. Uh, being available to go in and play and pick it up pick it up and go on with it and you know it's it's weird going from having like Mariota Herbert to this yeah yeah. well and this is how a lot of other programs live you know they don't necessarily have that next guy coming up and Oregon's had success in these situations before where they've had competition at the quarterback position and that cream does rise to the crop or rise to the top I know Zuko we'll go outside in just a second buddy (laughs) Producer Zuko is getting antsy over here. But I, I, I'm excited to watch the competition. And that's that's the thing that we keep coming back to. I'm going to once again reference my Seattle Seahawks and good old PD Sunshine because he's been the focal coach out there talking about how important it is to have that culture of competition win every single day. The depth chart could change every single day depending upon who comes out and has a great day that specific day of practice. Yeah. It's hard for you, I know. Seattle Seahawks, the future home of Antonio Brown. And hopefully Royce Freeman. Anyway, <laughs> um, with that, we'll go ahead and leave you guys today. We appreciate you sticking around. A little bit of a shorter podcast for you. Um, we hope you enjoy it. As always, if you do enjoy the material that we are putting out for you, Give us a like, give us a share, give us some comments. Try to defeat that nasty algorithm of the Instagram and Facebook world. And uh, give us some shine. Shane, you got anything else, man? Uh, if you're going to like the, the post, go ahead and hold that like button. Hit that heart button. Yeah, give it us that interaction. It gives us a little bit more of a bump. It's it so really funny. It means a lot. 
It's very funny. Whatever yep. reason. Exactly. And um, I am working hard on the tech side here to get the podcast available on all platforms. It's been a little bit more difficult for some reason because we had our pre-existing feed is the trouble that I'm running into. So hopefully we'll be able to get that out there to the Apple Podcast and Pocket Cast like I know a lot of you guys have asked for. Oh, so Zooks. I know. Zook's ready to go. <laughs> uh, we love you guys. We out. Peace. I gave my love a cherry that had no stone. I gave my love a chicken that had no bones. I give. Sorry.
Shout a little bit louder now. 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 Shout a little bit louder now.